Hello and welcome to this a- amorphous blob that is into the aether. I don't know if it's a low key video game podcast or a very special bonus episode or a very special <laughs> patron bonus or what, uh, but it sure is into the aether. We know that. We need a new intro for a free section of a Patreon episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you if you're looking at this in your feed and you're wondering what is this, why is it so short? The answer is that this is the first segment of our 3DS patron bonus, which is a thing that you can get if you back the Patreon at any tier. Um, you will get access to that episode, which is about a five and a half hour breakdown of uh, our experience with the 3DS and all of the games that we enjoyed for the 3DS to potentially pick up before the eShop closes. They're all games that we really, really love. But what we thought just as the eShop gets closer and closer to closing is that that segment by itself in the beginning, before we even get into our big list of games, is kind of like a nice send off to the 3DS, I think, for us. I mean, not not that this yeah. sh- should be like a big like uh, death scenario, but like that's kind of what it feels like in a way because you and I feel so strongly about the 3DS. We have such nostalgic attachment to that console that we thought that that segment by itself could kind of stand alone as as a nice little send off for everybody and not just patrons. So if you're listening to this in the free feed, that means that you're going to get this segment. But if you back the Patreon, you can hear you know the the full list of games. But what I'll also do in in the description of this as well is include the backlog list so you can just see the list that we talk about as well if you just want to like if you just want a visual of the things you should probably get before the eShop closes you can check that out we kind of we didn't have a concrete number of how many games to bring so we whittled it we whittled it down to like three dozen ish games that we felt especially strong about and then we then eventually go and do uh, we have like our five personal favorites and then we settle on the top five for the show itself which was a lot of fun yeah Um, so that will all be on the backlog as well yeah but we just wanted to record a little extra intro just to explain why uh, for those of you who are maybe you know back in the Patreon and are also listening on the free feed why you're getting uh, a segment that you've already heard in here I don't want this to come across like the Dragon Age origin side quest that ends with EA being like, do you want to pay for this one? It's a DLC <laughs> mission, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, th- I think this is not a thing that I think we're going to get into the habit of doing. It's just this one segment of this one episode in particular felt we felt really strongly deserved to kind of stand on its own and be available to everybody. Exactly. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who is able to back the Patreon. And uh, I hope you enjoy what's here. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye bye. Hello, patrons, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, despite the runtime of this episode, which I'm just <laughs> guessing is very long. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, first of all, before we even get started, just thank you. Thank you all so much for helping us reach our goal to make this episode even possible. Yeah. It was sort of like a fun what if in our heads, and we hit it way faster than we anticipated. And I, we both were like really, really hoping... We could do this episode because we love the 3DS. We basically talk about it anyway. So it would have happened in some form. Even if it was broken out over 45 different episodes over the course of two years. Yeah. A series of unknown Pokemon that spell out the episode. Uh, (laughs) Very, very thankful that we get to do it here for all of you. So just thank you all for supporting the show. Yeah, especially getting it done and out before 
the 3DS eShop closes, which I think yeah. was kind of our biggest concern was like all these games are going to go away forever, hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, or at least, you know, skyrocket in price over the next couple of years at uh, secondhand shops and on eBay and stuff. Yeah. Um, which has already started happening for some games. Yeah. Which is definitely a bummer. But uh, that having been said, we have a lot of games to talk about today. Uh, we're going to be going through. I, I, I think it's probably worth mentioning, you know, we, we've had the Game Boy Advance episode and the Nintendo DS episode specifically talking about those libraries, those consoles, our histories with them, and then going through all the games that we had played over the course of like, you know, a year just about and doing the top 10 thing, doing the top five thing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're going to have a different format for this one because we kind of came at it from a different way this time. Uh, as we mentioned way back when, when we first announced our like intention to do this episode, this has been less of a we're spending an entire year playing only games for this system and, uh, you know, keeping it all close to the vest and whatever. This is more of like, let's revisit some stuff that we know we really love and check out the edge case games that, you know, had totally like slipped our minds or whatever. Uh, so we got a lot of recommendations from you, the listeners, about what we should check out on here. Uh, and I think between us, I don't even know how many games we've played. I, I think it's one of those things where we say that we're going to be very chill about it and then we weren't. Just to kind of take the pressure off ourselves, we're like, it will be more lax than the DS one, which is still true because yes. I think for the DS one, over the course of one year, we each played 120-ish games. Yeah. Like, I think we are actually DS experts at this point, <laughs> given the time we put in. Uh -huh. But with the 3DS, like we, I think you and I already have a pretty good experience with the system. And like, it seems to be kind of a fallback for us in the normal episodes. So mm -hmm. like, I, a lot of the games were like recent. And I mean, we just did a bonus on Ocarina of Time, for example, where we yeah. played the 3DS version. So like, right. a lot of it feels kind of recent. So I was like, okay, cool. Like a lot of this will just sort of be like me reacquainting my experience with certain games that I've already played. But even still, like the last month, especially I like bought a lot of 3DS games, played a lot of them. I think for this episode, I've played around 60 games in yeah. preparation, which is about the same we did for Game Boy Advance. So it was not a chill preparation <laughs> process. Yeah, I wrote down 60 games as well. Um, Actually, exactly 60 games is what I wrote down as ones that like may or may not come up on this episode um and there are a lot more that i didn't write down <laughs> that i checked out and did not enjoy what i was happy to do though is i i also purposely chose like four or five games to put in like more time into because sometimes mm. like with the ds it was like okay if a game doesn't grab me in the first like five hours i might just like cross it off and move on yeah but with the 3ds i'm like there are a lot of rpgs on here that i know don't really become the game until a certain runtime so right it was cool to like get much more experience with games that i already thought i knew but now like have a much more intimate understanding of so it was honestly one of my favorite like preparation processes for a system episode like i've enjoyed them all but i think this one being kind of halfway between like a sprint and and a marathon mm -hmm. was sort of interesting uh and i just love this system so much like, it was just a joy to play most of these games so basically what we've done rather than brendan and i each making our own top 10 we have a collective spreadsheet of like three dozen games basically and these are games that we actually even before recording have made some pretty hard cuts just to make sure this episode was a respectable length <laughs> still gonna be very long but we just like you know there were there were a lot of games there i'm like okay why don't we like try to make it the smallest but most meaningful number possible so these games are games that both of us think are worth checking out in 2023 games that are important to the 3ds and are worth your time in some way yeah. so we're just going to go through that and then 
each of us also has a secret five games that are especially meaningful to us. And those are kind of like our unordered top five. And then at the end of the episode, we will settle on what are the top five 3DS games for the Aether itself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think, is going to be an extremely easy endeavor. I think so, too. I think <laughs> I think uh, I really don't want this episode to be Mario is fun, the episode, but it might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I think there's going to be some overlap with our favorites, but that's also kind of exciting. And that also gives us time to talk about the rest of the games. If we don't have a lengthy decision-making process at the end, it will give us more time to just enjoy the rest of the episode. But who knows? Maybe I'm totally off base here. Yeah, maybe. We'll find out. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're a big Tamadachi Life fan. Is <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I do think it's maybe worth shouting out early on, like a lot of the hits on the 3DS are Nintendo first-party games. I think one of the interesting things about the Nintendo DS, the original DS, when we talked about that, was like third-party really came out for that system. Um, oh, it yeah. was such a huge success because of the Nintendo first-party stuff, but it was really the third-party stuff that kind of like lifted it up, I would say, into into the stratosphere of of consoles, making it one of the best-selling consoles of all time. And that didn't super happen with the 3ds i think like there are a lot of great third-party games on here don't get me wrong um but when you look at the list of at least for me coming up with the list of what i think the best most representative of the powers of this console and the design of this console and the things that it is capable of and what it can do the games that utilize all of that best are all the first party games unfortunately um that's not to say there won't be third-party things that are going to pop up here and there but this is the story of you know four different zelda games and a bunch of mario unfortunately <laughs> although atlas is still going strong on the 3ds and that that was actually one yeah. of the like surprise collaborators on the ds with stuff like uh trauma center mm -hmm. 3ds gets a lot of ds hits kind of redone and also a lot of atlas original stuff too which is yeah. cool to see but i think you're right i think this is definitely a nintendo centric console and i think that's also kind of mirrored by the wii u years which like yeah. talk about no third party support that in that case i think that actually hurt the wii u kind of beyond repair i think the 3ds like held its own with the first party stuff because i i think when you're getting like a nintendo handheld that's sort of the expectation yeah whereas right. i think when you're getting like a home console like you kind of want to be able to play other stuff yeah on some level that's the thing even if you put like a list of all of the best wii u games together and they're all first party games they're all still like great games right yeah. like, even though yeah. there aren't very many of them they're all fucking awesome and that's very much the same thing here i think one of the things that's worth mentioning about the 3ds especially in comparison to the regular ds is like the 3ds did not do as well uh as, as the original ds and a lot of that i think came from the kind of slow drip of content for this thing uh at, i mean at launch there were three nintendo first party games pilot wings resort steel diver and nintendogs and cats were the three Nintendo games that launched with the 3DS. Yeah, and even in the first year, which was 2011, I believe, like a lot of the third-party games were sort of just a proof of concept. Like yeah. you had uh, Super Street Fighter 4 and Dead or Alive and a few other like kind of console-based fighting games. Like, look, we can be on the 3DS, which was really impressive. Like those games look fantastic and like yeah. play surprisingly well. But it kind of goes back to what you were saying about the PSP where it's like, just the idea of like having console level games on the go is not really enough to make it interesting. Yeah. Like it's a really cool novelty, but like 
at this point in time, like if I'm going to play Street Fighter 4, I'd rather play it on a console where there's any hope to be playing it with other people. Yeah. And not, you know, like relying on a, a street pass that may or may not exist. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about the 3DS, I think, and kind of why I wanted to talk about the PSP recently on the show was because of the power of the 3DS, because of like the internal graphical capability of this thing. I think a lot of developers did start to get that itch. It's like, oh, man, I can I can make console quality stuff on here. And even Nintendo kind of dips into that every once in a while where it's like you didn't utilize any of the interesting stuff about the 3DS at all. I think it's Kirby Triple Deluxe is one game that I played that like had absolutely no 3DS capability whatsoever. The only thing they use the bottom screen for is to have an item that you can use in case you want to like refill some health halfway through the level. And it's just a big circle with like whatever healing item you have in it. And that's the only <laughs> thing they use the bottom screen for. And then the 3D is, you know, kind of take or leave. But obviously Nintendo eventually released the 2DS, so they don't even care about that that much yeah that's the thing it's like even the games that came out at the very tail end of the of the life of the 3ds like i think persona q2 new cinema labyrinth is one of the last games that came out the 3d doesn't even work in that game like it definitely utilizes the two screens well yeah but 3d isn't even an option it reminds me of the tail end of the wii where a lot of games are like oh just use the gamecube remote like we're, we're done <laughs> we tried just don't even bother right but yeah. at the same time it's like 3ds was releasing games between 2011 and and basically 2019, if not a little bit after, which is wild. That's yeah. that's a and if you consider the 3DS kind of an extension of the DS, this type of hardware has been like the de facto Nintendo handheld for decades, which yeah. is amazing. Right. So I, I think that and and we actually so we've organized our list of games by the years they came out. And it is interesting to see, like, I think most games of note were in sort of the latter half of the system's life cycle, mm -hmm. which I think also kind of might have contributed to lower sales than expected. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Simultaneously, I think it's worth mentioning that Nintendo was still very much supporting the regular DS while the 3DS was out, the same way they were very much supporting the Game Boy Advance when the original DS came out as well. Like, Pokemon Black and White, the first Black and White, came out about two weeks before the Nintendo 3DS in North America. That's right. Uh, the second yeah. one didn't come out until 2012, which is, again, you know, like about two years into the 3DS's life cycle, which is wild to think about. The idea that there are mainline Pokemon games coming out for the regular original Nintendo DS with no added features, nothing to be gained by playing it on the 3DS at all. That's like, I mean... Uh, very Nintendo, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's like weirdly in line with how bizarre they are. But also, I think speaks to just like how weird the 3DS was and how weird Nintendo was at that point. You know, launching, having that kind of situation simultaneously, the Wii U is like floundering. There's like just a weird era of Nintendo, man. Yeah, I feel like the Wii U and the 3DS launched with like kind of uncharacteristic third party like launch titles for, for that system. Like those fighting games. And then on the Wii U, you had Mass Effect 3 and like Batman Arkham City. And it's like, yeah. I understand where that was coming from because I think so much of the Wii era was like, man, the Wii can't run anything that isn't, you know, right. the first party stuff. Yeah. So I think there was like an attempt to be like, see, we can run everything else. But at that point, the new systems were coming out for, for you know, Sony and, and Microsoft. Right. So it just, it just was sort of like a, hey, Nintendo, be yourself moment. Yeah. But I think in retrospect, all that information about the low sales and everything kind of makes sense that this system also has one of the best virtual stores like in terms of buying older games and having 
that game preservation we're always begging Nintendo to have. It's sad that that's only really a feature when the system isn't doing well. Yeah, I mean, I right. guess the Wii had it too, but the Wii also had it because of the lack of third-party support at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Just to sort of keep a flow of games coming out. So yeah, all that to say, though, I'm glad that like in the time that was active, I was able to get like Pokemon Crystal and Zelda 2 and a bunch of like weird old Nintendo games. That yeah, would be... isn't that wild? Yeah, you and I played Pokemon Crystal. I believe both of us played Pokemon Crystal on the 3DS for yeah. that episode when we did the Pokemon Crystal bonus way back when. It's amazing that that existed. And the Wii U, I mean, I don't know why we're dipping into the Wii U so much, but it's just like another fascinating, weird Nintendo console that also had regular Nintendo DS games on their virtual console by the end yeah. of its life cycle. You could play like Animal Crossing Wild World on there. For a time, the only like grounded way to get Earthbound was on a Wii U in the virtual store. I mean, now, thankfully, it's just on the Switch, which I, I'm so happy that's the case. Because yeah. I, <laughs> I have a friend who has a copy of Earthbound and the instruction manual. And I'm like, if you ever need to buy a house, like you're good. You can just <laughs> sell that on eBay at any time and yeah. have the funds required. I do think the new 3DS got Earthbound and not the regular DS yeah also on on the virtual console which like the the regular ds to new three i mean the the regular 3ds to new 3ds jump was like extremely weird i think there's like five games total that are new 3ds only that was definitely a bizarre era and the 2ds as well like I, i feel like there was a lot of uncertainty then which you know eventually the switch came out and that was like this kind of moment nintendo really needed <laughs> yeah you know it's kind of amazing to i mean as much as we love the 3ds and we're gonna have this whole episode about it like the switch was really like a needed comeback yeah for nintendo like financially at least yeah and merging all of those teams together and stuff you know you have like the zelda team making handheld zeldas and the zelda team making console zeldas and take and saying like no you're all gonna be one team now and you're all gonna collaborate together like that kind of stuff I think has made for, I mean, just great games across the board, which is really nice. Uh, do you want to do you want to talk about just a little bit of the history of, of the 3DS? Sure. Yeah, I'd love that. The most fascinating thing about it to me. Uh, so it launched February 2011 in Japan and then worldwide in March of 2011. But I think the most fascinating thing for me is that it launched worldwide at $250, which is over twice the cost of the regular Nintendo DS at that point, which was about 100 bucks, And immediately... Like immediately Nintendo was like all hands on deck. This thing is failing because they launched with, again, not like great games. Uh, as I mentioned, Pilot Wings Resort, Steel Diver, Nintendogs and Cats were the three Nintendo launch titles. Uh, and then third party support. Again, you had some cool stuff, but it was, you know, a weird mixed bag. Street Fighter 4, The Sims 3, Madden Pro Evolution Soccer, Lego Star Wars 3, Ridge Racer 3D, Super Monkey Ball 3D, which is considered one of the worst Super Monkey Ball games, Bust a Move Universe, <laughs> Samurai Warriors Chronicles, Asphalt 3D, another racing game, Combat of Giants, Dinosaurs 3D, which I hadn't heard of until I started doing this research, Rayman 3D, which I played and did not write down on my list, uh, and Ghost Recon Shadow Wars. Just like a bizarre launch lineup, um, and maybe unsurprisingly, the system wasn't doing super well, uh, and literally four months after it launched, they dropped it from 250 dollars to 170 dollars wow which is like i've i've never seen a company do that except for maybe apple with the home pod when the home pod was obviously a failure as soon as it launched i also wonder once we dig more into the dreamcast i wonder if there was a price drop for that at some point too yeah 
but four months later is like four months is a lot yeah that's unheard of that's like that's a thing i've never seen in the video game industry before i also feel like and this is kind of simple but i i do think it led to some confusion i think just simply the name of the wii u and the 3ds led a lot of people to think that it was like a hardware upgrade and not yeah. a new system right uh people who worked on our website when we wrote for a game website didn't know like some of the people who like, were very in the know did not know the wii u was a new system right when it came out which like that says all you need to know in terms of just like the common perception of this thing it was bizarre it was really bizarre um i think you're right though i think i think the 3ds almost sounds like uh one of those like game boy pocket add-on things that you would yeah. do in toys r us you know and like just a fix to the the front of the screens like now it's in 3d <laughs> yeah i didn't even really have an interest in it until i graduated college and i got i got my 3ds in 2013 and i think that's kind of why it's had a soft spot in my heart for so long is it's like it's kind of the first console i got myself as an adult basically yeah. and i remember just being like my first game was fire Emblem awakening which that would have been a good launch title but uh <laughs> playing that and and just seeing the cutscenes for the first time like those cutscenes still look great but like even the from the ds i was like i cannot believe this thing looks like this like mm-hmm. i can't believe that i i have this handheld game that looks like a ps2 or a ps3 game even yeah totally it's amazing um, I also didn't get one until 2013. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but uh, the 3DS came out around the same time as Instagram. Uh, so <laughs> I spent a little bit of this morning just like scrolling all the way back to the beginning of my Instagram feed and just seeing because I, I I was posting about like fucking everything that I did in my life at that point, which I think was a, the case with a lot of people right when Instagram came out. Sure. And I was like, I know that I posted when I got the 3DS. I'm sure <laughs> that I did. Uh, and I also got one in 2013. I didn't realize this when we recorded that episode, but I got one for Animal Crossing New Leaf. Yeah, uh, that was that was the reason that I eventually got the 3DS, which is wild to me, because at that point I was like so in the world of Nintendo. Like at that point, I had gotten over my Sega Genesis PS2 era of my life. And I was like, no, I want to like catch up on the history of Nintendo. So it's wild to think that the 3DS came out and I just didn't get one for a long time. Also, probably worth mentioning, like I was in a band and I had no money. I worked at Blockbuster right before it went out of business. Like I I did not have the funds to get a 3DS. Uh, So I imagine it took me a long time to save up the money that I needed to get one. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. I mean, I I had just it was the summer of of my college graduation. So I was still working uh, in like the campus area and and living off campus before moving and starting my for real adult life mm-hmm. so it's sort of like weird nicotine patch of youth yeah uh, like in that summer or i should say of college you know you're still young when you're 23 so i just remember like i don't know it was kind of like like there wasn't that game that i needed i mean i think there was you know the bubbling of smash coming out and that i think was the big that must have sold a lot of consoles because smash came out on the 3ds first mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later but i remember that was also around the same time that i moved to chicago which was shortly after graduating college. And I just remember like 3DS has always sort of been my link to home and my link to friends that were back in Jersey or New York and being able to sort of connect with them via Smash. And also like the intimacy of having, you know, we talk about the intimacy of handheld a lot, but like having a handheld 
where I'm also playing with my friends from home. Mm-hmm. That was really magical. And I think that's always kind of made the 3DS feel like specifically my own. In addition to the customization of like the themes and, you know, you can really make the 3DS feel like your space in a way that like yeah. the ad nightmare of the PS5 landing screen is not. You know, like, I, I think <laughs> I, I really like what being on the 3DS feels like still. Yeah. And, and so even the Switch you. kind of feels so like, kind of sterile by comparison it's just like black or white and games absolutely uh, yeah it's one of my biggest it's one of my biggest complaints about the switch to this day is like yeah. y- you have not only not only this like really stark home screen with like absolutely no personality no like fun nintendo noises even outside of you opening up the eShop. but like i just like the era of even nintendo writing original music for every screen of yeah. the wii and the 3ds and the ds like where did all of that go but on top of that you have these joy cons that you can swap out and the only thing they've done is like make new colors and nothing that's like really too exciting unless you're spending another 300 dollars on like a special edition version for (laughs) fucking whatever game meanwhile here i am with my new 3ds that has you know these face plates that i imported from japan to like customize the look of it and then i have about 15 different themes that i bought on the eShop, and you can set it up so it uh shuffles what theme you have on your 3ds every time you close and open the lid so like every time i open it i have no idea what the vibe is going to be which is i think is really fun and sometimes even when i open up the 3ds because i have so many games on here also i'll open it up and the vibe of whatever theme is chosen almost informs what i feel like i'm gonna play at that point which is really fun i've had more than one occasion where the super smash brothers theme has popped up i'm like oh i guess i'm playing smash then (laughs) i have a twilight princess theme which i know you'll like that one's awesome yeah it plays the theme and then like i also love when you highlight a game it will give you like a little like you were just saying it'll give you like a snippet of that like the phoenix right games will just yell objection out loud which is so fun like yeah. i just there's so much character there and you can you can blow on the microphone and it'll spin the logos around or like interact with the <laughs> logos and stuff it's like there's just there's just so much fun added to every little bit of the 3ds i think it's i think it's like an amazing system and every iteration of it has really gotten better i think for the most part um i mean the original 3ds which i i have one here i, I gave it to my partner because she's playing new leaf now um but that thing is surprisingly great for the most part it just has like a couple hardware things that absolutely drive me up the wall for example the power button is like right near the start and select and home button so it's very <laughs> easy to turn the 3ds off by accident uh, which they thankfully moved in in future revisions but when we eventually got like the 3ds xl suddenly all of i would say the world's complaints about getting hand cramps playing the 3ds kind of faded into into nothingness when the xl came out because that thing is so comfortable to hold i I, that's what i have i have a blue xl and it's my favorite thing ever yeah it's it's really nice i had one for a long time and then i ended up selling it to get the new 3ds the standard size which i still use and i still like i would be lying if i said my hands didn't cramp up if i play it for too long (laughs) um which i think is honestly maybe a good reason for me to put it down every once in a while because even uh what what were we talking oh yeah it was ocarina of time 3d where where navi will be like hey maybe you should stop playing and i would be like yes you're right (laughs) there are a lot of games that i don't know if they were like fearing a lawsuit for what the 3d could do to your like eye pain but like (laughs) there are multiple games that like open with like hey maybe take a 10 minute break every half hour yeah i forgot which one says that specifically but yeah there are a lot of games that really want you to stop playing yeah which probably also didn't help sales i imagine (laughs) (laughs) where's Uh, the confidence 
and then and then we got we got the the new 3ds xl and then eventually the the non-xl version of the new 3ds uh which i actually owned both of i got the new 3ds xl for majora's mask 3d when that came out which i ended up not playing silly enough um and then eventually got rid of that for the regular new 3ds uh, but then we had the the 2DS, which looked like a piece of toast with two screens and buttons on it, which I love that thing. I don't know if you ever actually <laughs> played one. I, 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 I never owned one for myself. I've always thought about just getting one just to like have because I think it's such like a weird piece of Nintendo history. But that thing is bizarrely comfortable to hold. It's like a great piece of hardware. It looks so stupid and is so comfortable. And then eventually where we got to the final release, I mean, there were a couple in between all of the stuff I'm talking about, but the final one that launched was the new 2DS XL, which has <laughs> all of the features of the new 3DS, but without the 3D, um, and is maybe, I think, the most beautiful version of the 3DS outside of, for me, the the, the new 3DS, like the standard version. Because I got these like color buttons on here and stuff. looks really yeah, nice. Yeah, that's really cool. It's, There's it's also a lot thing. of, there are a lot of unique new 3DSs. Like I got a friend one that looks like a Super Nintendo, basically. Yeah, that one's really cool. There, there are a lot of cool models for them. Yeah. The final new 2DS XL also has some like absolutely wild and beautiful special editions. There's this one that I I always think about picking up that's like an Ocarina of Time one that is oh, that's sick. that is the Helian shield and comes with like a cool stand. I don't know. It's like it's amazing. There's some really good stuff. Uh and then the Dragon Quest one that I'm obsessed with even though we never got a Dragon Quest game here. Also, I just want to shout out any parent who had to buy their kid a new 2DS XL in that era and have to understand what on earth was happening. Like yeah. I just feel like that must have been like this is the gymnastics. most bizarre naming convention of all yeah. time. Like going back to talking about how 3DS is already kind of like a weird name for this sure. thing. As soon as you append new to that, it's like what the fuck? It's a 2DS which implies a previous model just numerically. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. Also, I just said that there were no Dragon Quest games. I don't know what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about a bunch of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there are a few. Anyway, I don't have anything else to say really about the history of the 3DS outside of it's currently the 12th best-selling console of all time. Wow. The thing is, like, with our other system episodes, sometimes it's like, I will always be down to play Game Boy Advance or the DS, but like, I think it's a kind of a specific action to go back to them. Mm-hmm. The 3DS just sort of feels like a constant. Like, I feel like I'm always going to like dip in and out of it. You know, yeah. like it's it's on my desk. Like, I just feel like it's always kind of going to be there. And to me, it represents kind of the swan song of this era where there was a distinct handheld. Like, I think as great as the Switch is, we've often talked about how, you know, you do lose that intentional design where like, some games were made with the hardware in mind. And I, and I do wonder mm. what's next for Nintendo. I, I imagine we'll get another version of the Switch. And I'd love to see, like, maybe the path forward is, like, different models that, you know, one is made maybe with docking in mind, one is made... I mean, we already kind of see that with the Switch Lite. Yeah, I think that's what everyone was hoping for and expecting, yeah. right? And right. Then it just never really happened. As soon as the <laughs> light came out, it was like, oh, this it all snapped into play. Everyone was like, we get it now. We know what you're yeah. doing. And then they just never released like the TV-only version. I guess I'm just curious if like the Switch is just what Nintendo will do now, or if we'll ever see this kind of separation again of like the handheld and home console. I can kind of see a case for both, honestly. I, I think in, in the case of where Nintendo was at, the Switch was the move. But mm-hmm. now I do wonder if maybe like Fool's Journey, everything back to where it began. I wonder if there's a way <laughs> to have the handheld experience kind of go on its own path again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not super sure. I mean, you know, me and my relationship with 
with like retro handhelds and stuff. I think one of the more interesting things is the power of where those devices are at now. Like I have the iNodin Pro, which, you know, is running like PS2 stuff very, very well and GameCube stuff, as we've already seen with the Steam Deck being able to run the Wii U and Switch in some cases better than the Switch. I think we're at this point where if Nintendo really wanted to go down that route, like there are about 15 or 16 different devices that they could look to out in the world right now. Actually, I was just talking to our, our mutual friend Dom about a device that he just got and is using, which is uh, it's called the Razer Edge. It's like a handheld by Razer that just runs Android and is it looks exactly like the Nintendo Switch. The whole thing is that it has like uh, a controller that you can kind of like extend and take on or take off and that means that what you're left with is just what looks exactly like the nintendo switch without joy cons and is much smaller and is like wildly powerful and just runs android very similar to what the nintendo switch is um so i feel like they could go that route if they wanted to they could make like just a a much smaller version of the nintendo switch and i feel like people would lose their minds over that by itself even if they were like yeah here's the switch too and also here's the switch like super light or something i would be down for that honestly yeah that'd be a more portable version of the switch be very nice yeah i would be i'll be so into that anyway i will say one last thing uh the nintendo switch eShop is closing worldwide on march 27th you mean 3ds Oh, yeah. What, yeah. Did I say Switch? Could you yeah. imagine? <laughs> the 3DS eShop is closing on March 27th, um, and that will be your last chance to get stuff, unfortunately. That having been said, there are still ways that you can download video games on there. Uh, it's a little bit unintuitive. I would recommend Googling it, but it essentially involves like loading up your Nintendo account from the Switch eShop and then going to the 3DS eShop and then buying stuff that way. My other recommendation, if you haven't done this, is replace the SD card that you have in there with a much bigger one. Nintendo's website will tell you that they only take SD cards up to like 32 gigs or something. I have a 512 in here and it's going great. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just it just too. takes like 15 seconds for my 3DS to turn on because it's like, fuck, you got a lot of stuff on here. Uh, <coughs> Shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's it. Those are my recommendations. Just like get a huge SSD card in there, download as much as you possibly can before the thing closes. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of games that you should maybe check out. Yes. Apologies in advance if you end up spending too much money, but I've already done that for the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here we are. Big same. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the year 2011. That's right. We're going to be going year by year. This spreadsheet of ours, this Google sheet, contains games between the years of 2011 and 2018 so stay tuned stay tuned dear listener bye bye 